Welcome back to Run the Damn Ball, home to all things Nebraska, college football, and everything in between. I'm your host, Daniel Magnuson. Andrew Pfeiffer and Sam Alessandro are joining me today as well. All three of us are seniors at UNL, majoring in sports media. We got a lot to talk about today, including a recap of the 2021 Nebraska football season, the assistant coaching hunt for Scott Frost that's just now going on, some overall coaching changes around the country, and what to look forward to in the race for the college football, college football playoff. We will start with Nebraska, though. Uh, we just finished our season last Friday against Iowa. Um, we're three and nine. Uh, so what are your overall thoughts, both of you, from just this football season we just had? Nebraska-wise. Am I allowed to cuss? Uh, my parents might watch this, so try not to. What the freak, man. That was sad. I just... Look, I, you, I've i been on... How many times have I been on this episode or uh, show? Twice already. This is your third. You know what? When I, when I was here the first time, that was the week after Nebraska lost to Michigan State, and we had high hopes... Because that was the first legitimate loss Nebraska had that was with a, you know, a ranked opponent that was high up there. And we're like, you know what, maybe like, you know, they can hang with the big boys. Who's to say we're not going to get any more wins for the rest of the season? And then the season went on. I came on the second time, and that was when um, Frost and, well, should I say Trev Alberts, decided to dump the entire offensive coaching carousel. And I was like, you know... Thing, <laughs> that was kind of more of a shocker. That was a fun episode, but then you know that was that was definitely like holy crap. Like you know, shit's going down. I mean, crap is going down, um, and you know, changes are starting to be made. And now you want to look at the coaching carousel where we stand now. That's going on with the rest of the uh, NCAA, it, especially with Nebraska. They, they their last win was against Northwestern. We blew them out. And we were so optimistic and so excited going forward for the rest of the season because we're like, oh, if we're going to blow out Northwestern and we're going to play Michigan State close, there is absolutely no way this season could tank. We didn't get a win. Our three wins, Fordham, Buffalo, Northwestern, and that was it. Rest of them, one-score games except for Ohio State, and that was by what? Nine, Nine points. Nine. And I would have never – I mean – I woke up the morning of the Iowa game, and I was like, who are we kidding? This is going to be another one of those games where it's like, we're going to play them close, and we're going to lose. Sure sure as hell, man. Like, played them all the way to the end, and then they pulled away. That's I, It's disappointing. And I, <clears throat> I'll let you guys go in and kind of talk more about that. But just from the perspective of just being a fan, like, I, I just don't know what to say anymore. Okay, before you go off, Sam, I want to say something. Yeah. Because... I remember the Illinois game, the first loss we had this year, first game of the season. And I remember Frost said in his post-game interview, this is only after the first game, he said, guys, this feels like the same movie, and I don't want to see it again. I, I mean, that's not word for word, but that's essentially what he said. And that's game one. Do you know how sequels are typically way worse than the original movie? If you get my reference, the same movie happened to be a sequel. Well, the third movie, and that one was the worst. If you've seen The Hangover, like it, the third one's the worst one. But you know what I mean? Like it, it, it just gets worse. It got worse. Well, I mean, you kind of said it, but just looking at the, at the Illinois game, I mean, right, right away, you knew that this was gonna be, I think, just about the same thing this year for Nebraska, because I mean. This was year four, and it's really just been, once again, the same, the same mistakes, honestly, and you know, just like a lack of attention to details on a lot of the stuff that you know a lot of these Big Ten coaches, especially, you know, they're going to expose you. You know, Brett Bielema is going to expose you for having poor special teams play. Kirk Ferentz is going to expose you, and it's been the same thing for four years. And so, no, I'm. Quite frankly, I'm not too surprised because we knew heading in to the season that Nebraska was going to have a tough schedule and that making a bowl game was tough, was going to be very difficult for Nebraska. I'm, am I a little surprised that they lost a couple of the, those games, like Purdue and Minnesota? Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, especially after uh, the, week one, the week zero loss to Illinois, no, not surprised at all. 
we talked about this earlier today because we just went to Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> and had some wings and some, some beers. Some brewskis. Um, I'm very out of it about this. I, I don't know. I think y'all probably agree with this, but I'm going to go back in time. So I believe it's like spring, maybe it's May of 2021, and a rumor comes out, right? I think the season was doomed from the start, if I'm, if I'm honest. I felt it before the Illinois game, before we even played a game. The rumor comes out that we're trying to cancel the Oklahoma game to get an extra home game against some nobody. And everyone was like, oh, what the heck's going on? People were blowing up on Twitter. This is our, like, longtime rival. We're finally playing them again, and we're trying to cancel. It's the 50-year anniversary. Yes, 50-year anniversary of the game of the century, Mm -hmm. and we're trying to cancel for an extra home game. Yeah. It was a load of crap, okay? And it wasn't Bill Booth trying to make the decision because Bill Booth is probably, like, doing nothing, which is what he did the entire time Just he was chilling on AD. Out in, in Washington State. Doing nothing, right? Chilling doing his ranch. Do, doing nothing. Like, I have st- the entire season, the entire year, every time I do a podcast, I stay off Frost. I stay off him. I haven't said a negative thing about him all year. Oh, boy. And you know what? He tried, and as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but as far as I know, Frost tried to cancel the OU game so he get an extra cupcake game, get an extra win, because he's scared to lose. Well, and the entire season, we played scared to lose. And that's well, why we lost so many freaking games. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's 100% what happens to Nebraska. That's what they've been doing now for four years. They've been, they're playing to playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And... Yeah. You know, it's like what Herm Edwards says in that classic uh, post-game interview. He says, "You play to win the game," and Nebraska just they haven't you really play to win the game. Yeah, and they they just really Nebraska haven't done that. Do that. No. <laughs> no, I know they don't. All right, I'll chill out. <laughs> they the don't a- do did, that. Did the Akron game You're screw right. us over that badly? No, that game does not matter. <laughs> that that game doesn't no, matter. It doesn't. I'm, I'm being facetious, but like at the same time, fourth quarter collapsing. Nine, nine single-digit losses. We could have gone twelve and zero. We had the team that could, like, talent-wise, with our defense too. We had a potential to win every single game on our schedule. I mean, Reddit, every game we could we could have won. Oh yeah, I mean, Reddit college football makes fun of Nebraska for a reason. You know, they 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 come out with the same tweet every week, just like Nebraska produces the same outcome every week. It's Nebraska is. X amount of plays away from being an undefeated team, which is sadly the most true statement in the entire world. Because, you know, three and nine, best three and nine team to ever step foot on a football field. That is very, very true to the point where three and nine doesn't even seem viable. Like, it just, it it is the most bizarre. part Part of it's the difficulty of the scheduling. Part of it is the losing mentality that Nebraska has. Part of it's Coach Frost coaching and calling the – like you said earlier tonight, Daniel, you were talking about how Frost calling the plays like he is scared to call. You know, he's scared – scared. he's playing to lose almost. He's scared to lose so much that he loses. I think a lot of that has to do with the mentality. But mm, MF, man. I mean, Nebraska, their total – the total amount of points they lost by this year was 49 Special teams gave up 42 points this year. Special teams. Whoa, 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 whoa. Special teams. Yeah. If you count, like, all the points. How many touchdowns like, do we give home to special teams? Well, if you count, like, like we surrendered 42 points. So if you're counting missed field goals, missed PATs. You're counting um, two two touchdowns, uh, the punt return for a touchdown, and then a kickoff return for a touchdown. Oh, a also. Blocked, a blocked punt. And then you have the two-point uh, missed PAT against Oklahoma, and then you're counting all those missed field goals. I think, you know, the last four years, I mean, special teams, really ever since Bo Pliny has left Lincoln, special teams has been really, really poor. Are, are, so are, my question, are you saying that, like, if our special teams was decent, that we would have those we games? Would, I, I'm bowl just team. saying they oh, would yeah. at least they would have at least made a bowl game, for sure. Because... You, not only have they surrendered points, but the inconsistency on special teams too. They they have had multiple punts this year where 
you know, I'm not going to name the punter because it's kind of we've had like well, two punters because really. it's been it's been two punters and they've kind of <laughs> both done it where we Nebraska has had punts go for you know eight yards, twelve yards, eleven. There was an eleven yard punt against Michigan State that was that honestly might have been more critical to losing the game than the punt return touchdown because the where where offenses get the ball is so important like like Nebraska they they don't re, they don't return any of their punts or any of their kicks and so they always get bad field position field position is huge especially in modern day college football can i say something this kind of segments into this little bullet point that you have here on your uh, thing right here on your notes but frost is currently in panic mode right I mean, he's been in panic mode since last year, or since the beginning of this last season started. With being in panic mode, I think correlates to him as to why... We all know Frost is a very conservative play caller. Do we take shots? Hardly ever. We take a shot like for... We'll take like a shot per quarter until the fourth quarter. Yeah. He's not He's not and, a conservative play caller. He's a bad play caller. I would agree. But like here, my problem is he he's such a... he 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 wants to... He's trying to act like he's an aggressive play caller when he's so scared of losing that he's conservative, which is why he's inconsistent, which is why I believe he's a bad, like you would have said, a bad play caller. I, I, I should reiterate, maybe not, maybe bad is the wrong word, but I think certainly we have found out very quickly and, you know, obviously still in year four, his offense just does not, it will not work every single game in the Big Ten. Especially come November football. You just can't, you know, you have to run the damn ball in November. That's just that's just a fact. And in, not with your quarterback. In, in, well, in the Big Ten. Well, and especially not with your quarterback. Well, we, we, There's we, a reason why there has been a quarterback injured every single year in Frost's system here at Nebraska. Because they get freaking 20 carries a game. Yeah. Smothers had, had the ball 24 times, and that was just running it. You're not even counting, you know, no offense, but the poor o- offensive line play, you know, they would get sacked at least three or four times a game. And it's not like it's like they're so bad. It's the fact that they're so young. Freshmen and sophomores all across the board. It's not normal to be playing a bunch of freshmen and sophomores in year four. In Power 5 school, and, you know, you could blame that on the coaching tra- – you could blame that on the culture, the coaching transitions from Riley to Frost, you know, whatever. No, no not, not in year four. Not in year four. No, no, not in year four because you're out of excuses. You're at the point where it's like these are all the players that you've brought in, so you need to implement your style. Now all of a sudden we're running freshmen, sophomores as our starting lineups against Power 5 schools. But my question is we, – we talked about this earlier as well. What's his name? Uh, Georgia quarterback. Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. We talked about how if Adrian Martinez were to go in and take Stetson Bennett's place against a filled Georgia roster, under the right coaches, you would almost make the case that Georgia would be arguably way better. They'd be better, yeah, because their quarterback not only can make probably the same throws, but also run. Yeah, and at the same time, they're not running their quarterback 50 times a game. They run it to their running backs 50 times a game. Yeah, like yeah. a team should. <laughs> exactly. Um, we said this earlier before we got on the podcast, Mm -hmm. and I know you agree with this too, but you can't have a successful Big Ten offense or a sustainable Big Ten offense if your quarterback's running 20-plus times a game. Martinez is our uh, leading rusher this season. You want to know a sad stat? Nebraska hasn't had a running back run for over 500 yards the past two years. That's a problem. Are you talking about seasonal? Yeah, in in a total season. You could say that last year's an asterisk because they only played eight games. Well, yeah, but like you still had like Even then... You still should have had someone at least get five, or at least somewhat close to five hundred yards. Well, wasn't Diedrich Mills pretty close? Mills was at around 800, 900 yeah. in twenty nineteen, but he was hurt a bunch last year. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he, I mean, in a normal year, he probably could have broke close to there. He was, he won us the Rutgers game, if we're honest. Yeah. Uh, but, oh my God, yeah. Um, this is, yeah, I wrote this down. I'm just going to repeat it because it just makes a lot of sense to what we just have been saying. We rely too much on our quarterback to win games in the Big Ten, and you can't really do that. And we need to find a running back to carry us for, you know, 900 to 1,000-plus th- yards and uh, have a line also, you know, offensive line set the path if we want to, you know, win the Big Ten West and also run the damn ball. I mean, look at look at the other teams in the Big Ten. Who are – 
Who are the stars of the team? Who was the star for Michigan last week? Was it McNamara? No. It, it was Hassan Haskins, the running back for for Michigan, oh, and then yeah. and then also Aiden. Hutchinson. I mean, I was gonna say, if you mean offensively. But, yeah. And then you look at Iowa. Who who was their star last week? It was Goodson. You look at Wisconsin. Their star is always the running back, and I think the issue with with Frost's system is it is way too dependent on quarterbacks, and especially in the Big Ten, unless you have Ohio State talent, you it, you just can't do that because. Ohio State can get away with that because they have five stars everywhere. Nebraska they have these does, crazy yeah, receivers. Ne- Nebraska does not have five stars everywhere, and and they had Justin Fields, a transcendent quarterback talent. Hot take: Ohio State beats Michigan if they play in warm weather. Probably because they're you, Michigan. That was the most physical Michigan team that they have had, probably. They could run the ball really well, and, and Ohio State was not that formidable on the run game. But I will say this, though. Aiden Hutchinson is the best player Harbaugh has probably had um, at his program so far. I think he is easily—he has cemented, cemented him himself as at least a top-ten pick, probably a top-five pick. And I know now, you know, it might be too late in the season, but there, there are discussions about him being in the Heisman uh, conversation because he actually has right now more pressures than Chase Young did two years ago at Ohio State. You know, this is this this might this statement might be a little controversial on my end, but it almost feels like the Heisman race today is more of a political gesture than anything. Oh, the Heisman race has become really irrelevant because it's like who is the who's the best player on Alabama, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and and that, that has nothing to do. Uh, I mean, Devonte Smith's a great player. It's, not, it's about, not. It's not a knock on him. But if if you really think about it, if they were to put a defensive player or a defensive lineman up there on the Heisman ballot once again, so um, yeah, it's, it's been a while since we've seen that. He should have won Heisman. And, and, we all know that. And, Chase Young was invited. Yeah, and uh, Jabril Peppers. I Give it to Aiden Hutchinson. No, he wasn't. no he, offensive he was player close. this year has been that impressive. Honestly. Manti Teo was the last one before oh, that. Monte Teo. And so yeah. they I've actually seen discussion of both Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson, the outside linebacker slash DN for Alabama. for Alabama, because he's also tearing it up. And that's like that I think is what the Heisman Trophy should be about. It's just it should be about awarding the best overall player that has the biggest impact on the field. Yeah, and that's what well, that my point being was I was gonna say you almost wonder if the Heisman race is a little too political now, but at the same time, it's like if, if there was, like I was trying to say, if there's a defensive player that they decide to put on the ballot, you know, the world's going to go nuts. Like everyone in the country is going to, you know, want Aiden Hutchinson to win because he's a defensive player and just solely off that fact alone. Because, like, you know, when we were in Nebraska and Sue went up there, everyone was like, yeah, Sue, go. Sue. Yeah, Sue. Yeah. Well, and it also helped that his most impactful game was like two days before. Yeah. Before the Heisman like voting ended, it was like the week before he he ended Colt McCoy's Heisman campaign. Oh yeah, he was winning it probably. He, Colt McCoy he, was about to win the Heisman, and Sue was like, "Nah." Like all he needed to well, do was play pretty well against Nebraska, and he probably was going to win it. And well, Sue, he got fifth. Yeah, Sue got fourth. Colt McCoy got fifth. Yeah, he single handedly that was um, gave Colt McCoy the like it. It's one of the most dominant performances of all time. And that's another thing, too, for Nebraska. Like, is there any player in this program right now that you think is, you know, a day one or day two draft pick? Because, honestly, I I can't really think of one. I think Austin Allen is a very talented tight end. I, I do think he'll have a productive career. JoJo, you don't think? You got to remember, day two is still round two and three. That's pretty early. We got draftable guys. I would say JoJo's round three. Maybe, maybe. Sorry, Daniel, where are you saying? I'm sorry. We got a lot of draftable guys. Yeah, we have a lot. But of we draft- don't have any like, like day one guys. But like even Purdue, like Andrew and I, we were working the Purdue game, and Purdue has two guys that I could name right away that are probably going to be first round guys: George Karloftis and David Bell. Yeah. And oh, David Bell is really good. Yeah, David and Bell. Like, Cam Taylor Britt held him under 90 yards. Pretty good. Yeah, he still had like eight catches, but yeah, he, he did play well. But like that that's what I'm saying. Like Nebraska, like I'm the development has been has been very underwhelming with the recruiting classes that Frost has brought in. 
Besides defense, I would argue. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. But like again, like a lot of those defend- defensive players have been here since Frost has been here, and like a lot of those guys were Riley guys. Mm-hmm. Like JoJo Doman was a Riley guy. Markel Dismuke is a Riley guy. Ben Stilley, you know. I know people may not like him or Deontay or Damian Daniels, yeah. but those guys are all Mike Riley guys. What about Deontay Williams? He was JUCO. Frost Deontay Williams him. was one of uh, Frost's first guys. Well, if you want me to say, I, I think Deontay Williams was our best defensive player. Oh, Deontay is undefeated in open field tackling. Yeah. You can't get away from him in the open field. I thought he was better than JoJo Doman. Deontay is our best I would athlete on defense. I think, I think JoJo was our best. I think he was... Single I'd say hand. A, I'd say it's a toss up. But it's, yeah. it's a tie, honestly. JoJo th- was really good too. I think. I think. I. I would say Deontay ha- was really, really good. Obviously, but I think JoJo is one of the main reasons why we only held Ohio State to twenty six points. JoJo well, went off. Yeah. Well, well we got to talk about now. Um, we've been talking about you know all these players and whatnot moving forward, but like, as of right now, when you're in Nebraska, a who the hell are you going to hire, and b what do you do when you're Scott Frost and you're moving forward? Who are the assistant coaches that you want to bring under your wing for your last year and your last attempt? <laughs> for your last attempt. No, yeah, for your last attempt. Yeah, for your, it, it, I mean, that's realistic. It's his last attempt in, in his coaching career. And so my question is, A, who do you want to bring in? Who's rumored to be brought in for assistance? And C, Frost gets fired next year. Say it doesn't work out. Whoever he decides to bring in. Mickey Joseph, Willie Korn, who the hell knows? If Frost loses his job next year, which is very, very possible, do they go too? Okay. It's like it's like when the CEO goes to a different company, corporate kind of jumps ship. Does well, that make sense? Well, first off, this is by far the most important like two months of Scott Frost's coaching career, especially if he wants to stay at Nebraska. If he wants to stay here, this is the most important, you know, I would argue month and a half to two months of the Frost. Uh, tenure here at Nebraska and obviously whenever a coach is let go you're going to have not only coaching turnover but you're going to have roster turnover as well and we didn't we didn't even say like I mean Nebraska's going through all these new coaching changes look at the rest of the freaking NCAA right now yeah that that's one thing I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Albert saw that coming and especially like after COVID last year we knew like there weren't going to be as many uh, big jobs. Obviously, you had Texas and Auburn, but those were kind of late uh, firings and questionable, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. But then this year, you know, we're, we're back in the stadium. Fans are back, and now the expectations are back up for all these coaches. You know, Harbaugh entered the year on the hot seat, and a lot of people are comparing Frost's situation this year to Harbaugh's situation last year. They're not comparable. But— I would argue, I would 100% agree with you because first off, Jim Harbaugh was 27 games over 500 before this year. Scott Frost is 15 and 29 right now. So like, so like you go can't in, com- you in. can't compare the two. And yeah, I mean it's just like this is the most important like month and a half for Nebraska football. I know this podcast isn't visual, but if you could see Daniel's antics right now, just how he's sitting, how he's moving, he's ready to just destroy this. <laughs> There's mother. so much material we have. Okay, so if Bo Pelini ever went three and nine, gone. Oh yeah. Well, for, he, he was fired all, uh, at nine and three. Yeah, Grandma was, gone. He beat Iowa and they got fired. Yeah, so that, first of all. Also, Jim Harbaugh is a little bit better than Bo Pelini, and he was on the hot seat at Michigan. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So they're not comparable because Frost has zero winning seasons at Nebraska. He also has, I believe he still is yet to be a top 25 school here. Has not been Nebraska. a top 25. Yeah, okay. So anyway, um, I think we've, okay, we've, we've, we've already pooped on our head coach enough. More for, poop. We, more poop. We've, more uh, hey, poop. I've held off poop. for the entire Run the Day Ball podcast series. I've never, as far as I know, gone after Frost. I had to do it today. Um, well, I wouldn't say this is going after him. I mean, this is the this is the expectation. He was he came into this job with high expectations. He just won Coach of the Year, rebuilt UCF in a in two years, and this is a Power Five school that has history and has expectations. It's not like 
Nebraska fans were expecting a national championship in year two like UCF did. They weren't. I think they, you know, you, you ask fans, you know, four years ago, you know, year four in, in the Frost era, no bowl game, still, what happens? First off, you'd be like, no way, that's not happening. Second off, it'd be like, well, then that's a complete failure. He's probably fired. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I would I would say that the criticism is 100% fair because it's the same thing every single year. And if if a team keeps on losing the same exact way, then that's not that, – that doesn't fall on anyone else except for the coach, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. We had a 9-3 and three talent-wise team. We had a 9-3 and three team this year. At, and we went at, and at we least. flipped it to three and nine. At least we we were an eight and four, nine and three potential team this year. So, I you, mean, you look at our nine one score or di, you know single digit losses. We you could win five, four to five of those. Yeah, at least. And it doesn't help too that, you know, in terms of expectations that, the uh, coach did, he he I think set unreasonable expectations I think for the fans at some points. And it's just funny, though, how it's all come back to bite him. You know, his introductory press conference, he said the Big Ten's going to have to adjust to our offense. Well, we know that they're not doing that right now. And then just a few weeks ago, you know, I know Andrew and I, one of our buddies, you know, he, he loves to bring this up. You know, Frost was saying, you know, our special teams is fine. It's our specialists. Then the next two weeks, we've given up two special teams touchdowns. I just want to let you guys know that our podcast is currently being viewed and listened to by Husker Chicks. So let's be on our best behavior for the uh, kind ladies of UNL. Wait, actually? Yeah. I, I know the owner. Of the- oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. They should give us a shout out, Brother yeah. Dan Ball. No, no free anyway, shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> no okay, anyway, that's kind of cool. I didn't know that. They, have a, they are way better than Barstool. All right, quick rant. Barstool Skurs sucks. I know the people that run that too. Yes, it does. Barstool Skurs, they don't post anything but Shaq, other like dumb game day stuff. Maybe they've had a few, like, okay posts, but they've been down bad, just like our football team for the past <laughs> two years. Four years. Yeah. Yeah, that's Maybe not I surprised. shouldn't have said that. Maybe I no, should. No, I, I agree. Maybe, maybe I, I just, I've always thought that. Um, well, the, the, Twitter, yeah. the Twitter account, too, isn't great either. The, the Instagram and the Twitter account for Barstool Skurs is pretty bad. It's just, it's just uh, like. It's the same, it's the I same follow, post every time. Yeah, it's it's the same lame stuff. I follow Colorado State Barstool, like CSU Rams. One of my best friends from high school goes there. Incredible Barstool. They got like dumb party videos. Just all the Barstool content that you want, they have it. <laughs> and I wish that we were more like them. Anyway, <laughs> go back to. We will transition to actual football talk. So, um, Nebraska's hunting for potential assistant coaches. Uh, to replace the ones that were fired a few weeks ago. So, Mickey um, Joseph, former Husker quarterback from 1990, uh, he went like nine and two or something like that his year as the starting QB. It was only one year, 1990. Um, currently, the LSU wide receiver head coach. I know they're trying to hold on to him potentially there at LSU. Well, I don't know. Right for sure. now, as of Kelly's as we know, wanna... he is unemployed. Yes, Kelly's gonna want to keep him. Probably. You never know though, because a lot of these coaches, you have to remember, they like to bring their their whole staff, which, again, going back to Frost, he brought his whole staff from UCF to Nebraska, and I think that did end up hurting him, obviously. Or at least, you know, maybe, maybe they're scapegoats. Who knows? But anyway, don't be surprised if Brian Kelly, at you know, going from Notre Dame to LSU, he brings maybe not all of his staff, but most of his staff. So it's definitely something to monitor. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go get Mickey Joseph because LSU wide receivers are really good. Yeah, they're they're they've been amazing. really good for like a decade or more. Yeah. So let's try to get Mickey Joseph. I hope that we get him. He developed. Agree? He developed oh, yeah. a. Oh, yeah. uh, he developed a two-star uh, wide receiver. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, uh, Justin Jefferson. He's currently killing it in the NFL. Anybody want to hit the gritty right now? <laughs> no. Okay, I'm kidding. I'll stop. <laughs> okay. Um, so and, I, Andrew Andrew has no rhythm. He can't dance. Andrew's a dad, basically. Hey! <laughs> like, <laughs> a dad on a diet. Okay, so I've obsessed over this uh, in, like, the way early, like, YouTube days of Run the Damn Ball, but uh, Coastal Carolina has my favorite offense of all time. The uh, Ooh, pistol, baby. shotgun, triple option that they run is incredible. If you ever watch 
Coastal Carolina highlights. Jamie Chadwell. Incredible to watch. My favorite run the damn ball offense ever. It's it's like an NCAA football offense on like steroids. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. um, so supposedly, Willie Corn, the offensive coordinator for Coastal Carolina. Corn. Corn. K O R N. It's almost like he's destined to coach here. Also, we've kind of been copying their offense this past year. Well, of course we have. With the with the triple option we're running with the wide receivers with the running backs. Um, yeah, you know, Co- yeah. Tell tell Coach Frost, you know, you're allowed to copy uh, offenses that actually work. Yeah. They, so they hopefully call, we get them. They call offenses the same way that I play NCAA 14. Yeah, Coastal Carolina is an NCAA football 14 offense, and it works because they like are the. Well, they're not the best team in the Sun Belt this year, but they've they they almost went undefeated last year. They beat BYU. That was pretty cool. I don't know if y'all remember that game. It's one of the best games last of year. Of course, of course, I remember. It was the day uh, Nebraska had one of their few Big Ten wins. It was against Purdue. Love and it. Then, and then it was on right after. I remember watching it. Defeated it, New York Jets quarterback Zach Wilson. It was awesome. In a perfect world, and I mean in a perfect world. <laughs> I noticed how you put. Hold on. So I'm 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 lo- I'm reading over the notes here. I'm looking in a perfect world. I I say grab Saban. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, I was waiting to see what you guys. All right, would say. No, we're done. We're done. Okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to coach this football program. This program is really bad. Is that your Saban impression? That's my new Saban impression. It's really bad. You have to say I. I. <laughs> But what I was going to say was, in a perfect world, Mickey Joseph, wide receivers, Ron Brown, running backs, Willie Korn, offensive coordinator, and honestly, I mean, Riola for the O-line. I don't know about Riola for the O-line. Is the Bears' offensive line that good? No. It's, oh, bring back Callahan it's for the ranked, offensive it's line. It's ranked in the 20s right now in the NFL, and he's never coached college, which is a little concerning. I've also heard the name float around John Garrison. I don't know if you've heard that, Daniel, but Why not he's Bill? the he's the old line coach for NC State. Was he with Bo? Oh, he yeah. was with Bo. Yeah, I did hear that. He was with why Bo. not why not Bill Callahan? Uh. Well, Bill Callahan is regarded as one of, if not the best, offensive line coach in the NFL. Well, I, I don't know. we're doing it with Doc Sadler for basketball, so I mean Why would sure. why would Bill Callahan come come that'd be a demotion yeah, from the NF, from the NFL? He won't come here. To Nebraska? And yeah. Worth a shot. No, okay. it's not. <laughs> I meant to say this earlier. I'm going to say it now. I, I thought we were done talking about Frost. I told you all this earlier, too. If Frost is calling the offensive plays for us next year, after especially what we saw this past season, he will not be coach in a year. Probably not. We need a new guy to actually call the plays. Agreed. And play to win the game. Did Frost call the plays at UCF? Yes. And they won how? Well, because it's the American Conference. It's All you need to do is throw conference. your athletes out there. And well, yeah, win. they beat Auburn. Well, Auburn wasn't that good. Oh. And then they fired their head coach. Yeah, the Gus bus is now at uh, at UCF. Gus Miles on. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's weird. Life comes full circle. <laughs> I'd be down to keep Ron Brown at running backs coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I was going to say, I noticed you put Amon Green in here. There's been rumors that maybe we'd bring him on at running backs Why coach. Why would he be? I don't think he's ever been a coach, though. Yeah, that's right. I know, right? Oh, uh, no, no, that's false. Wait, who am I thinking of? Who's the Doan coach? Tommy Frazier. Oh. Amon Green was like a good NFL running back for, I don't know, quite a while. Tommy Frazier was a coach at Doan for about a year. And how does Tommy Frazier mow his lawns? It's through me. He mows his lawns through me. Wait, does Tommy Frazier live in Nebraska? He owns my lawnmower. He, so, yes? Yeah, yes. yeah. he lives in Millard. Dang, I didn't even know that. He, yeah. li- he lives probably not even a full mile from where Sam and I live. Did y'all ever see that picture of him wearing a Creighton jacket? Oh, yeah, Trader. Creighton basketball game? Trader. By the way, <laughs> hey, hey, quick quick rant. There is nothing worse in the state of Nebraska than Jayskers. Nothing worse. Oh, I could talk about Jay Skurs for effing hours. Oh, you guys are the guests, so you guys can just well, go you, you know, take off. Well, I'm not listen, as cause. someone as someone who, yeah, like has grown up here in Nebraska, and I unfortunately I, I went to a a private high school too. So like a lot of those kids, they they went to Creighton, and Creighton. so they have that Jay Skur mentality. 
And it's just terrible. It makes no sense to me. You root for Creighton basketball on Friday, and, you know, you, you're saying all this bad stuff about Nebraska basketball, how they suck and whatnot, and, which is whatever. I mean, I don't care. But then the, the, the very next day, they are literally wearing Nebraska football gear and cheering for the Huskers. Dude. I'm like, why? why? Why would you do that? Like, pick another team. Fairweather. I think it speaks to their overall character as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and even worse, most Creighton fans, this is just true, the stereotype, I think most Creighton fans, if you ask what their second favorite basketball team is, it's always Duke, which, I mean, if you like Duke, I mean, come on. Yeah, I think, sorry. It, I just think it speaks for itself. You know? Sorry, that this, that was just a quick rant, but I just really cannot stand Jaskers. I have a confession to make, actually. Shut up. No. Don't, don't no. say it. Don't no. Say no, it. No, don't, no, don't jump to conclusions here. Just hear me out. Hear me out. All right. I grew up a Jasker, but let me explain. Well, no. I, no, I no, no. Let, let me explain. Let me explain. I rooted for Kansas basketball instead of... Okay. I, I That's for, even worse! Hey, no, hey, it's not. No, hey, it's not. I rooted for Kansas basketball because Nebraska was never there. Yeah. Well, okay. But I I'm not actually a fan. I don't root for them anymore. I, did, I didn't mind Creighton when I was growing up because I, I, like, I liked watching Doug McDermott and whatnot, but like once I got into like high school and then college, I was like, man, like... Why are fans acting like this towards Nebraska basketball? Like I just thought it was weird. And so that's when I started. High school was when I really started like having a hatred for Jaskers. There are particular women that I <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> Husker chicks like let leaves the chat. Husker chicks <laughs> Husker chicks have left the chat. <laughs> 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 she gone. Just hold on. <laughs> that sounds so bad out of context. That's going on. That's not leaving this podcast. That's, that's going on. There are particular. You got clipped that for... individuals that are Jaskers that I Snapchat, and it is the worst. It's the worst, and those are typically they're people I'm not fans of. Going to quickly interrupt this podcast to give a shout out to Triple B's Printing here in the great state of Nebraska. They make awesome Nebraska Cornhuskers and just overall state of Nebraska apparel and other cool little things like a Run the Damn Ball sticker that I have on my laptop at the moment. Also, I got some shirts from them as well. So go check Triple B's Printing out sometime. That is bbbprinting.com. Also, I want to thank you guys for listening this far. It means the world to me. And me, Sam, and Andrew had a whole lot of fun with this podcast. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Run the Damn Ball podcast. We had to delete some stuff. I should probably have let Daniel do the intro. Oh, no. Uh, At this point, I think we're... We're at that place where we've gone so long that, like, anything we say, like, it matters. But, like... We're just booing. We're actually, at this point, we're just chilling. We're just having a conversation. Um, so we pretty much talked about all the no- potential assistant hires, right? I think getting Mickey Joseph would be huge. And, obviously, just getting a, an experienced play caller, too, on offense. Whether it's Willie Korn or someone else that's been rumored. I've heard Tom Herman. I've heard Chad Morris. Um it it would be it'd be really interesting. I'm just really intrigued to see what Frost does. But also like how do we know that Frost is not gonna, you know, call the plays? What what if he, you know, still has his ego Because, like I mean coaches have egos and like people have egos. They think that what they do like they they think that what they can do for the team is best for the team, if that makes sense. Just because it worked in the American Conference doesn't mean it'll work in the legitimate Power Five Conference. Well, I mean, he probably saying. he also has experience at Oregon too, so let's not ignore that. <sighs> yeah. But the Pac-12 is a little different, and he also, oh by the way, had one of the best college quarterbacks in the last decade, Marcus Mariota. Bro, the Pac-12 is weak. Yeah, what's and now the Pac-12 is weak. So I mean, Marcus Mariota isn't something too good right now either. I mean. He wasn't he wasn't bad and he was amazing in college. He was an amazing college quarterback. Like, like, oh, yeah. like just look at look at the stats. He's one of the best statistically in the last twenty five years. But I mean I wouldn't say that's a him thing. That's 
There's a lot of college quarterbacks like that. But. Okay, two quick things before we transition to the next topic. Yeah. I, I keep having these complaints, and I have more complaints. Um, I just feel like we should mention this before we roll on. Um, we do not take enough shots downfield of our wide receivers. Xavier Betts, Omar Manning, Toure. Nope. We didn't, we didn't throw deep to him nearly as much as we should have. Also, I really, really hope that our new OC actually calls the plays because – if Frost decides that he's the guy again and says, oh, last year was a fluke, then no. he's going to find out that it wasn't a fluke. No, I'm done with that. Nope, no fluke. No fluke. You're in year four. That's not a fluke. But it's just uh, it's so unpredictable where we're going to be heading. And, it, it, you know, I, couldn't, I can't sit here. And I couldn't have even have sat here last year and told you how we were going to do and I can't sit here right now, and I can't tell the fans of Nebraska how they're going to play next year. And that's one of the more frustrating parts about being a Nebraska fan is it's you don't know. It, it just I, – I don't get it. Um, I don't think anybody gets it. And it's to the point where, you know, if this is how it's going to be, then Nebraska is just going to be – whether or not Nebraska does well next year, we're taking a step in the right direction, letting Frost go and coach somewhere else. So, Yeah, we need to go seven wins or more next year. Oh, uh, seven, seven uh, wins are the expectation, especially – seven's generous. With the schedule. Well, yeah, especially with the schedule that has been handed to Nebraska. And also you just look at just – I mean, it's it's going to be year five. Like this is all Frost players now, and if if you can't get it done in year five, getting at least seven wins, then you know you cannot tell me that there's not ten coaches out there right now that could do that could have done exactly what he did, you know, just this year, but better. Like it, it's really not that hard. Is it arguable to say right now the only thing keeping Nebraska's market down right now, as far as recruiting goes, is Scott Frost? Uh, okay, so there there's a lot to discuss about that. I think COVID definitely did play a huge role in the fact that why Nebraska hasn't recruited as hard this this year because they're going to have a lot of guys coming back. But also, True. like I know that you're going to bring this up, but the the need to attack the transfer portal and oh, that's a must. And I've I've been saying that for like the past two and a half years now. Look at Michigan State, how fast they were able to turn it around. And now <laughs> Mel Tucker is also a really good coach. Their best player was a guy that got over the transfer portal from Wake Forest. Yeah, Kenneth Walker. Yeah. He's a, he's a stud. He was a, a Wake Forest transfer. A lot, of their, a lot of their biggest playmakers were transfers. And, you know, you, you just look at Nebraska. I don't think that they're going to ever be a program where they're going to have consistently – Top fifteen recruiting classes. It's just too difficult. They got to win their way to those classes. Yeah, you you basically have to be perfect. Like even Tom Osborne, he would have a good. He would usually have one premier recruit per season, but like they didn't really do recruiting rankings back then. It was, but like if you, I saw a stat one time, like if you looked, Tom Osborne's classes usually ranked in between like. 18 to like 22 or something like that's that. That's actually insane. Usually, but they always had like the number one or number two dual threat quarterback, like almost always. That was his thing, or or one of the best running backs. And so Nebraska, I don't think it like following the Wisconsin and Iowa model. I think has always been what Nebraska should do, and for some reason they're I I I just think that they're trying to be something that they're not. And one of the biggest issues that Nebraska has is they have no identity. Like, who is Nebraska? Defense. Who is? But, again, like, even our defense, like, is it good? Yes. But is it elite? No. And if It would you be want, a lot better with a good offense. If, but, yeah. If you want your ident- your team identity to be defense, you got to, yeah, you, one, you have to have a better offense. But also, like, like, Iowa doesn't even have that good of an offense. But, like, they still find ways to win games. You know, just Nebraska, the biggest issue in the last 20 years, really, is they really haven't had consistent identity for the team. You're right. No, we have not had an identity. And, like, I thought we were kind of forming an identity against Iowa for, like, three quarters with the, with the option offense. You saw it. Uh, well, I listened to it. But he, was well, bo- yeah. he was board-opping. Yeah. But 
to, uh, I mean, should I change this whole, you know, Twitter podcast to, I mean, yeah, we're on the damn ball, but we need to run the damn ball with the running back. Should I just change it to, to like, honestly, change say, it? Put it in your, con- or put it in your bio, <laughs> say put run in the, the bio? damn ball, and then just say, but with the running back, not the quarterback. Yeah. Okay, so to segue to our next thing. We've been out here a while, but we've been having a blast, so I'm not complaining. Um, schedule next season is easier than this season, undoubtedly. Also another thing, one of the main teams we play early on, Oklahoma just lost their golden boy head coach, Lincoln Riley, to USC. Indeed they did. What are our overall thoughts? Why did why did he go? I mean, I think this is just absolutely crazy. I I He will never admit it. I do think... Oklahoma going to the SEC played a huge role in that. Not because I, I don't think he was scared per se to go to the SEC, but I just think you look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is easily, probably, maybe not easily, but they're the most powerful team in the Big Twelve. Easily. They're a top five program. I'm they're, just, yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're one hundred percent top five program. But you look at them when they move to the SEC. I don't know if they become. They're still a top five program like because you still have AM on the rise georgia is going to be there for a while for as long as kirby smart is going to be there i still think alabama even though saban is going to retire at some point they're going to be there for a long time and so that you, you look at that that's already three teams in front of oklahoma at least that's not guaranteeing like texas you know we like to make fun of texas and whatnot but like texas is always one of those jobs i think where you know it doesn't take that long for them to get rebuilt, uh, and it's gonna, it's the same thing with USC. Lincoln Riley is going to rebuild USC really quick. They're going to be relevant and competing for Pac-12 championships and maybe even playoff contention within the next three years because the Pac-12 has been pretty weak, I would say, for the past few years. Really, their only competition in terms of recruiting will be Oregon, and in terms of just playing games, their only competition will be Oregon and Utah. Can I ask you guys something? Um, this is totally unrelated, but what would you guys think of doing, like, I know this might be extremely premature, but what if I, I have the schedule pulled up in front of me right now? What if we just ran through each game and kind of just was like win-loss, 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 like for next season? I don't even want to – I'm – I'm not. I'm not doing that till like I find Let's out. Let's do who's, this later. Because who's on the staff? Like who's who's leaving? Who's okay, not? Because we don't. Ne- Nebraska still doesn't know if their quarterback <laughs> is going to be here next year or not. I'm down bad as a fan right now. I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to even try to predict our schedule next year until like May. Yeah, it's way too early, especially now. Like with the transfer portal and now two different signing periods. Like you just don't know at this point. So. Going back to your point on my thoughts on Oklahoma, yeah, I was shocked because I think Oklahoma is a top-five job. And especially after, by the way, what an incredible game Bedlam was on Saturday night. That was yes. such a great game and good for Mike Gundy and you know Oklahoma State to do that. I think it does say something that Oklahoma State, you know, programs like Oklahoma State and Utah are great examples of teams that have bought into their head coach and those head coaches have bought into their programs. And look at how it has benefited them. And they coach to win. They play to win the game. And they're a man in their 40s. <laughs> like Mike Gundy. And now they're like 55. I'm yeah. man. I'm 40. Maybe Frost's secret is to grow a mullet. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. That'd be bad. That would be bad. He'd get made fun um, of. Also, Brian Kelly... As of like that, today, that, 24 hours really. Yeah, that was actually more surprising, I think, because Notre Dame still has a shot to make the playoffs. But are they going to put him in after that? That would be, I okay, so you cannot tell me it would be one of the funniest things ever if Notre Dame ended up clinching the playoffs and then winning it all with an interim coach. It won't happen because it, Cincinnati it beat him. Yeah, it wouldn't happen, but how funny would that be? That would, would maybe not funny is the right word. Well, yeah, it would because I got Notre Dame friends and I would give them crap for it. But I mean, Notre Dame, gosh, that that that's just gotta be such a slap in the face. I mean, Brian Kelly is. I I do think Brian Kelly is one of the best coaches in college football, and this is a 
good hire for LSU. I don't know if he fits at LSU per se, like just like that culture. It's going to be very interesting to see how he does. He has had success everywhere he's been, but I just think, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how Oklahoma and Notre Dame responds to this because it's not every day you see head coaches at, you know, arguably probably two of the, I don't know if Notre Dame, yeah, at least top 10 programs, you know, just leave for other jobs. And they're winning. And and, and they're winning. Yeah. Like, I could see at least Lincoln Riley going to USC because I do think USC is a top five job easily. If you can turn them around, you're going to win the Pac-12 every other year. Well, so, it, like every like especially like USC is just such a big brand too, and in California, like probably the biggest in California. Oh yeah, well biggest college easily. Yeah. To oh, talk yeah. about Brian Kelly leaving, you know what it reminds me of? Like imagine if Kirk Ferentz went to like some SEC school, like South Carolina or something. It's kind of the same thing because Iowa, like, yes, they just beat us, so I really shouldn't say anything, but they they peak. Iowa can't do better than going to the Big Ten championship and losing. Yeah. They can't. Yeah. And Notre Dame can't do better than go, being a four seed in the college football playoff and getting whacked. You know what this would be like? I. That's why he saying, left. That's why he left because they peaked. Yeah. And you know what this would be like? I, maybe not quite. This might be a little bit more extreme, but this would be like Dabo Sweeney leaving for like Alabama or something like that, mm. like, like or like a, a Texas job. I yeah, think. sure. I think that would be a huge slap in the face because Brian Kelly is the winningest coach now in Notre Dame football history, and he just left that program. Dang, like that's crazy. And yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how both those programs react and how they're going to replace those coaches because they're no slouches either. Like you said, they won, and they won big time. Both teams, but both those coaches have been in the playoffs now multiple times, and only a handful of programs have been in the playoffs, let alone Probably multiple. Like less than 10. Yeah, let alone multiple times. Brian Kelly's been there twice. Uh, Lincoln Riley's been there three times. Yeah, they've both been there. Um, Notre Dame will, I mean, they're a premier job. I don't know if they're going to join a conference, but they're always going to kind of be in the conversation if they're winning. Also, Oklahoma, they're probably going to be able to avoid a Nebraska situation because they got an AD who I think knows what he's doing, unlike Nebraska after they fired Solich. I think Bob Stoops will also have a big say in it, yeah, too. Yeah, he probably he care, will. He cares a lot about that program, and I think they're handling it a lot better because Notre Dame, they still, like, it seems like are kind of scrambling. They still haven't even announced who's... Uh, Who's going to be the interim coach? Well, he just talked to the team this morning for the at seven a.m. Yeah, seven a.m. <laughs> Man, sorry, coach. I accidentally, uh, I accidentally slept in. Can you? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. Can you imagine trying to get the players up for a seven a.m. meeting? Oh, just to tell I, them I wouldn't quitting? show up. I'd be like, oh man, sorry, coach. I accidentally set my alarm clock for seven p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wow. So, I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about Nebraska? I, I'm kind of. I think we kind of covered most of Nebraska. Do you have something you want to talk about? Well, uh, your roster turnover notes. Down oh, okay. So, um, well, I guess Marvin Scott just announced he's in the portal. Not a really surprise. Didn't really play much besides the Wisconsin game this year, and it looked good when we when he played. Like I don't know why we didn't on. play him more. In your notes here, it says Spencer Rattler rumors. Lol. <laughs> um. I, he's not coming to Nebraska, but I saw a couple Nebraska people on Twitter saying. Spencer Rattler from Nebraska, yada, like question mark, like not like saying it was going to happen, and uh, I don't even think, unless you want to do your own research, I don't even want to like try to explain why that's a terrible idea. I think we all just could agree that that's just a terrible idea. Just watch QB one and you'll know watch QB one on Netflix. Watch his body language on the sideline when Caleb Williams is playing well. Um, that's that's all you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, is, is he a talented quarterback? Sure. Yeah, he's really talented, but he's not. Uh, anyone you want leading I also, the team. I also, honestly, I don't think he would do well here just in terms of culture. You know, we are told that Nebraska has a good culture. Is that true? Probably not because Nebraska is still losing. But I also don't think he would fit in with the Big Ten. And also, no matter what offense Frost runs, I just don't think that he would fit that offense. If that makes sense, yeah, I think I, mean, I think he fits more of the Pac-12 mold, or maybe, 
you know, another Big 12 school. Branching off that, do you guys think uh, Martinez is going to come back? No. I I no. honestly have no idea. It's possible. It's possible. Um, I know Frost definitely wants him back. It's going to be really interesting to see not only just what he does, what what we do at the quarterback position, but every other position. We're lo- Nebraska, people are not talking about enough the amount of talent that Nebraska is losing this next year. And you add on the potential of losing Martinez with you know losing guys like Austin Allen, Damian Daniels, Ben Stilley, Markel Dismuke, Deontay Williams, JoJo Doman, Cam Taylor-Britt. All those guys are really good, and they've been starters for multiple years. So that means you're putting... And a lot of those guys are on defense, too, which it is our strong suit right now, but, like, you don't know if that's going to be the case next year. Yeah, I said this at a little quick podcast after the Iowa game. I'm pretty confident that Janander's going to have our defense not quite up to what it was this year, but, like, I think he's a good developer of players. I think we're going to be solid on defense next year again. I, I, tr- I do trust, I think, for the most part, our defensive assistant coaches as well. I think they've done a good job. The development has been solid, too. But, yeah, it's just going to be really interesting, again, how Nebraska just how, – how they're going to attack the offseason, really. Are they going to go a little bit harder than maybe they have in the past few months in terms of recruiting, or are they going to go the transfer portal route, go after a lot of these guys? Because, I mean, you, you look at the transfer portal the last 24 to 48 hours, it's been crazy. Like, a bunch of – Oklahoma guys are entering the portal. I think, especially if Notre Dame does not get this higher right, you're going to see a lot of Notre Dame players in the portal as well. And so it's it's going to be really chaotic. And obviously you have players from other teams entering the, entering the portal. I know Zachary Evans, the running back from TCU, the uh, former five-star running back, entered the portal a few days ago. Yeah, they won't get him. I think he's probably going to go to like a Bama or something like that. He's very talented. Then you have like Dylan Gabriel from UCF, already crystal ball to uh, Ole Miss, but yeah, I just think I do think the quickest solution for Nebraska, Manning, is Arch Manning. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Stop. he's not. He's not for another couple of years, and he's going to an SEC school, probably. Unfortunately, but anyway, we need some just, transfer portal. Yeah, wins. you saw what Toure trans- did. Yeah, you, you saw-, saw what Toure did for us this year. Nearly 900 yards. Also, also, Bo Pelini, what did he do when he first came here? He atta- he did attack transfers. It was Juco guys, but Levante David, um, Dejon Gomes. Damian Stafford. Damian Stafford. Those guys, Randy Gregory, all Juco guys, all made immediate impacts on the defense, and they were solid players. I don't think that's a coincidence. Deontay Williams is a Juco guy too. I think a lot of those guys, you know, they can, at the very least, they'll provide depth to your team. So, Agreed. I think before we are done with this podcast, let's talk a little bit about potential college football playoff scenarios. Um, let's just go ahead and say Georgia's in no matter what. If Bama somehow plays a great game and beats Georgia and Georgia has a down game, I think Georgia's still going into the playoff. So Georgia's, unless they get absolutely obliterated, which is not going to happen because their defense is so good, they're in the playoff. That's one. Um so Bama has to win to get in, right? Cincinnati's probably going to beat Houston, and they're probably in, which is actually like incredible to say. I don't, I don't know how long they're going to be able to hold on to Fickle, but they're also going Big 12 soon, so maybe they'll hold on there, to him. There are rumors that one of two jobs that Fickle would be interested in is Notre Dame. So yeah. keep an eye out for that. I also think Notre Dame might just look to promote their D coordinator, Marcus Freeman. Mm-hmm who uh, is an up-and-comer guy. He was the D corner actually for Fickle last year at Cincinnati, moved over to Notre Dame, and, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see, especially for Oklahoma because, you know, like you said, they play here in Lincoln in, like, nine months. And we're going to beat them. You know why? Because they're going to run the damn ball. That's why. And then 2023, Chenander head coach. Oh, Sorry, stop, I'll stop. I'll stop. Whoa! <laughs> I don't know if that. I just wanted. I just wanted to say something crazy that may not even make this. Um, but what else? 
Um, Cincinnati's probably going to get in if they win. Well, they they got to win to get in. Uh, SEC is going to get at least one, maybe two, if uh, Bama wins. Michigan wins, they're in. Oklahoma State needs to win to get in, and they need a Michigan loss probably. Um, and I don't know what else. Is that everything? That's probably it. Notre Dame's not going to get in because Cincinnati beat them. I want to see Mike Gundy in the playoffs. Me too. Love it. I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> and now I'm 55. Shrek. Um, yeah, I think we, we kind of hit on so much today. This was, I think this was the best for the day ball podcast. I thank so much for coming on you two. We had class you. at three 30 today and then the broadcast studio was taken. So we went over to B dubs oh, and then we finally made it back over and it's now eight o'clock and we're time wiped. Right. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on once again. And it was a good time. Uh, can we get a run the damn ball on three? One, two, three. Run, run the, the damn, damn ball. ball. <laughs>